Mr. Pop. I like the way Barassi used to talk about the game. Very deliberate. I was impressed. Enunciated every word. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Hello everyone, welcome to Rock and Roll, a preliminary final week in the uh, in the footy and uh, you should hear the stuff that goes on just before we, we start this show. Here's Finey and here's Brian Mannix talking about rewriting the Bible. And I don't mean the Encyclopedia of Football or Cricket. I mean the, 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 the Bible. It's a pamphlet. One another as you would like to be treated yourself. Message done. That's it. If you want the detail, then read the Bible, but that's kind of the message. That's Off the you go. Brian Mannix 2023 version uh, takeaway. As they say now, we've unpacked it, and uh, the takeaway from, uh, from that uh, tomb is treat others as you would like to be treated. End of story. That is probably the greatest economy of words. Like, I don't know how many words no, are in the Bible. Work. That doesn't why, why, work. Why, why not? Now, why doesn't yeah. it work? Why doesn't Brian's new economical word condensed version of the Bible work? So, Brian, what's your version of the Bible, just in review? Treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself. Doesn't and if work. you do that, you'll follow all the commandments, you'll do everything right. Not happening. Well, why not? Because I love a happy ending, but I'm not given any. <laughs> uh, fair enough. And on that I, note, I don't, we start. I don't even understand that. No, well, don't try to, Brian. Let it go you through to the keeper. You I'll explain it to you. Tell you, part, two, like part two of the Bible is let it go through to the keeper. Okay? All right, fair enough. <laughs> All, right. All right. Hello, boys. How are we? Are we well? Are we, we happy? Are we vibey? Are we up and about, Mr Mannix? I'm very well, thanks, Kev, and great to see you, Mark, and hello to uh, those listeners that we love so much. Um, no, I'm good, and I, I think I'm going to introduce a, a small, short segment tonight. Oh, whoa. And What's it's it called, Brian Well, I'm in two minds. I think it's called You Can Argue With The Science. Oh. Um, I think that's what it is. I've got a little climate right. change thing that so I'd like to impress on everybody okay. a little bit well, later. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing the experiment right now. We'll okay. see how it turns now, out. Now, Brian, what I want you to do is I want you to do mm. the new 2023 condensed Bible version of that when we get to it. Oh, yes, I won't okay. go on. That's what I think. That's what I say. It might be a signal. I'll just do one little thing okay. over several weeks. Just you know, it won't take up too much time. Okay. But I just would like to. Encourage debate on a certain subject. Is, is your high horse parked in the corner, or is it uh, is it going to oh, be in? High horse is locked away. <laughs> uh, people should consider this. I just think that we're all following sheep the narrative that's been pushed our way, and I think we should take a step back and see what other people say, and then draw our own conclusion and. I've drawn my conclusion, but I'm still open to have that okay. conclusion changed. But I just think some of the points that I have should be aired, and you know, I don't care if people agree with it or not. Just hear it, disagree with it, but don't not hear it. Okay. All right, we'll come back to that. Now I want to check uh, everything good at uh, Lenny's 
heading into the uh, in, into your big uh, renos and everything. I saw you were out and about during the week with Nat uh, posting on Facebook, and you've had a busy yep, week, yep, Finny. Yep. Well, busy week because last weekend was Jewish New Year. Yes. Rosh Hashanah. It's good fun. So the shop was filled with great sweets, honey cake, chocolate dipped honey cake. Oh, God, it was all good. So that was fun. Um, all the builders and plumbers and electricians were in today with Nat because I have no idea. Nat is the project manager. I mean, Nat, for a, Nat professionally project managers for other companies. All right. And she has a family building and architectural background. This is... This is her bailiwick, as they say. It's funny because, you know, they, uh, I mean, sort of vendor roles still exist. So they're sort of meeting with the missus. And when I turn up, I know absolutely nothing. Nat knows every turn. She's got drawings, architectural drawings. She can read them. She's had cross quotes from every, every company and whatever. And they're just sitting there with their jaws dropped because. <laughs> In that industry, because we've got specialists in the food industry, they're used to dealing with people that know nothing except anything about food. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's good. That's, that's uh, That'll put them on the back foot and keep them honest. Well, that's exactly right. Already today, I saw, it was great, I saw the flooring guy give a sort of wide-eyed smile to the builder, like, oh, I'm not getting away with that. I'm not getting away <laughs> with anything with this. With uh, this that was great. Yeah, very good. Very good. And by the way, on on climate change, I'll leave. I, I won't steal Brian's thunder. Of course, if I did, that would be climate changing. But um, <laughs> uh, nice. I will weigh in. Okay, you can. Because I am. I, I, I am. Well, that's good. Like you know, I'm. I'm happy for the debate on it, and that's that's what I think. But it's I don't want to lose the whole show to it. Okay, that's that's what the only. No, thing I'm you saying. won't. You won't. Okay. You won't. Well, let's do it now. Yeah. Okay. Let's well, hang on. It. Hang on one tick. We're just one tick because oh, I, I need to do. Oh. I need to do one little Sorry, thing before Bob. we get to that, just to uh, fix something up first to clarify a mistake from last week. We have our spec savers moment though. First up, last week during the program, Brian uh, commented, and I, I think this is a rather uh, important point. He commented on. Um, how Danny Minogue's boobs were not looking uh, what they what they normally are uh, on prominent. the masked singer. Do you remember that, Brian? Am I being sued? No, you're not. Well, you're being sent to Specsavers because it wasn't Danny Minogue, you buffhead. She's not on the masked singer this year. Well, who's the chick there? Abby Chatfield. That's the one I mentioned last week because I was confused because I thought I'm sure Abby Chatfield is now quit radio and doing all this stuff and still doing the Mars Singer. So that's why Danny Minogue's boobs look different because they're not Danny's. Or they might be. I don't know. But they, they're, they're officially similar. not Danny's. I just thought they were held they're, back a they're, bit. They're you know, similar. That, um... <laughs> they're, they're, well, like, they're, like the kid, they're like that red-headed kid in third grade. They've been held back a year, have they? <laughs> There's two uh, of them. them. They're a different model. Similarity straight away. <laughs> yes, they are a different model. Oh, goodness me. Uh, so there's... It's, I like, just... it's, like the, it's like the old jokes. You should see my wife's tits. I'd love to. Well, you can't. They're on a plane coming from France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, therein lies the problem. Thank you. I, I actually flew to France on um, Air Ita- Italia. It's the only aeroplane that I've ever seen that had hair under the wings. Oh, Brian. <laughs> no offence to my Italian friends. Um, it's a joke. That, um, that, <laughs> where will that joke be in 50 years, Brian? 
Well, I think it'll be came a... for about 25, 30 years. Ago. I was going to say, it'll be, it'll be celebrating its 100th birthday. Goodness me. Uh, all right, all right, all right, Brian. Well, here we go. It's time for Brian's little new segment, and this is, um, what are we calling it's it? It's called... You it, can't it, argue it with like science. This. No, it's called this. Oh. Science. Argue with science. That is science. Okay, so... I've been through all the crap about since 1969. Every scientist, climate change guy has been wrong. We didn't have an ice age in 2000. We didn't have all the Arctic ice wash out, uh, dry up by 2008. We didn't have water. Anyway, so we've done all of that. So I'm just going to take it one step at a time. And I saw this on TV and I thought, well, that's a great point. If the Arctic ice melts, we're told, that there'll be nine metres of water wash over Sydney and wipe out those Pacific islands and all of that shit. You know, we've all heard it and we all believe it. A little science experiment, and I'm doing it right now. I got the hugest ice block I could. I've stuck it in a small glass of water and I've filled the glass of water to the top. Now, the ice block pretty much melted. There is not one drop of water that has sipped over the side of the thing. And this is what people don't understand. This is science. Like an iceberg, it's a mountain that goes deep underwater. You know, the Titanic didn't sink because it hit some floating little triangle. It was a big mountain. It ripped the side out of the boat. So it's already displacing so much water. So if it melts, that turns to water and the water stays at exactly the same friggin' level. So if somebody can tell me why this of mine is wrong, please send me a message. But I certainly don't want the Arctic ice to melt. Um, it hasn't so far. But don't tell me <laughs> that we're going to have nine metres high a sea, going to wipe out the Pacific Islands because... Science just doesn't work. Put the ice in the glass, fill your whole glass with ice, then fill it up to the brim, let the ice melt and see what happens. That That's is my point. And that, that, that concludes science. Argue with it. Professor Julia Sumner Mannix there. Now, I, I wish I could do the voice better. Leading Professor uh, M. Fine of. Uh, I don't even know where you live anymore, Finey, but a leading uh, Melbourne professor, uh, M. Fine, of the uh, Institute of Hard Knocks is, uh, is with us. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, on Brian's dissertation there, Professor Fine? Why is it so? Take a small band leader, <laughs> take a singer from a band, the Uncanny X-Men, place him in a glass and a half of milk. Place him in a glass and a half of milk. Okay. Now, here's a couple of things. Climate change is very, very real. How do we know it's real? Because it's been part of this planet forever. This planet's always had climate change. Yes. I mean, if we believe in an ice age, then we've had far more dramatic climate change than we'll ever see in our lifetimes. Climate change is part of, life. of the weather cycle. I mean, by definition, and this is why people have to be careful, the climate will change tomorrow. The climate changes all the time. Climate just means the weather. I mean, you can you can bend that term to your own needs. 
constantly. Of course, the climate's always changing. And all right, now we have things that we label El Nino, El Nino. They're real, but they've been around forever. So I don't know why we're blaming mankind now for something that is very much part of the Earth cycle. Now, what we have to understand is why, and, and this is something that we can't control. I mean, man has always, whether whether we were primitive back in the days, all you religious people out there who believe in God, who explain the inexplicable, we came up with, with versions of how to live. For me, that's what religion is. It explains the things mm. we just don't understand. If you believe it and take solace from it, I can I, I admire you. If you if you've got honest religious conviction and it gives you peace of mind when people pass and when things happen, that's a power I don't have, but good on you. But it's all based in trying to control the uncontrollables. And what we're doing now with trying to harness Mother Nature and take responsibility for her is no different to me than throwing than Incans throwing some poor version off a cliff as a human sacrifice. <laughs> it's, it's just as effective. We're not going to be able to do it. We can't do it. Mother Nature is a force far more powerful than us. It wiped out a species far more robust than us, the dinosaurs. So if our time comes at the hands of Mother Nature, bad luck, but don't go throwing your virgins into volcanoes because I promise you it's not going to help. I, I heard a very important explanation as to why the melting of the polar ice cap and icebergs is very, is, is unfortunately, it happens. And I'm saying I, we can't do anything about it. it to, to, change, to try and change the world one gas stove or one car at a time is really the equivalent of throwing a virgin in a volcano. It's just stupid to me. But anyhow, but the problem is it is a problem that folds over and over on itself. And once it starts happening, you can't stop it. And the reason is that when a, when a glacier melts, it goes from ice into water. Does everybody agree on that? Yeah. Water, once a glacier, which is white, goes into water, it becomes black or dark. Water is, in fact, in terms of reflection from the sun, dark. So an iceberg reflects the sun, but the problem is once it gets turns into water, it's heated by the sun because it can't reflect it anymore. So the more glaciers that melt, the warmer the waters around glaciers become, and it becomes a process that is... it. it works on itself. It continues to build on itself. And you just need the good fortune of a very cold period for the ice to refreeze. But the water will get warmer the more the glaciers melt because they can't reflect the sun anymore. Yep. Well, that's a very good point and I'm I'm happy to hear that. You know, I don't say I'm right on all this stuff, but I do want people to consider it and then, you know, say something as intelligent as that to tell me why rather than, oh, you can't argue with the science. <laughs> um, but but also that you've started another segment uh, in, just in that um, monologue there, uh, uh, Fanny, in that um, you've got a segment called Religion. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, 
Yeah, it, is, it, is up, it is up to you. But, but surely, do you agree that climate change is part of this planet? Oh, I think climate well, change is, is a concern, but... No, but it's always been. It's a, we can't control it. It's not, it's not something that started in 1917, oh, 2017. It's been around long before we were kicking around. If you've been wrong for 50 years and you can't tell me what the weather is next Friday, well, why am I going to believe you when you tell me what's going to happen in 2050? You've got no credibility. And I, I just think that everybody's just told this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. There's 1,600 scientists in uh, around the world that have said this is bullshit, but they're just shunned and, that, and all the people that write climate, climate change um, you know, surveys or whatever they call it, um, they get grants and they get grants because they get grants from electric car companies and blah, blah, blah. And you go down Electric Street and Windmill Street, well, you're just making China richer and you're making your own country poorer. And I think these are things to be considered. But All that's right. probably enough on this yep. subject for this week, Kev. All right, that'll do us. We'll, uh, we'll jump back into that next week. And just you can just another... one thing. Yeah, one more. My kids. Yep. Oh, I've already got one more. You know, that's my modus operandi. Yep, um, correct. <laughs> I, I'm not just one thing, King. But my kids, when your kids say to you, you're, you're fucking up the planet for us, look after the planet, you know what my response is? Mm -hmm. What? Get off TikTok, stop listening to the shit music you're listening to because you deserve it. And, in fact, I'm going to destroy the planet as long as you keep on. <laughs> if you keep, down that, if you keep well, down that road, then you're getting what you deserve. Yep, fair so, enough. Well, well, you can't argue just, with that. That's not science. That's just bloody, you know, that's, that's just common sense. One one more quick point. <laughs> oh, on, no, on Brian, no, we're done. No, we're done. We're bitching about air conditioning. No, that's it. All right, we're not. Okay, All right. That's it. Next week we'll Next talk week. about air conditioning. Next week you can do air conditioning. That's fine. I'm happy with that. But you know the good news about all of this? What? We don't have time to go through the footy tips, so let's Yes, we do. That. We're going to quickly go through them. Here we go. Oh, I hope we do. From the uh, from the women's footy, first up, Brian got six, Finey got seven, I got seven. So the uh, the ladder sits at the moment with Brian back on the bottom. Good man. Where I belong with eighteen. Uh, Finey in second spot on nineteen. Me in top spot on twenty. Now the uh, uh, from the men's competition, Melbourne uh -oh. Carlton Port GWS. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Hello, Duck Man. Yeah, how's bang, the bang. how's the duck going at Lenny's? Is that nice this week? Is it, uh, honey? Oh. There's no catching up. I'm too far behind. No, two zero from two. Uh, Brian got both. Booty man. Yeah, Mister September, and I got one out of two. I picked GWS. Didn't pick Melbourne. Uh, I picked Melbourne. Uh, so well, that means that uh, in that ladder, I'm on top on five. Uh, Mister Mannix has four, and Finey is on two. With three games left. Oh, I'm in a bit of strife. <laughs> so, yeah, the best you can do is that I completely tank from here and and you'll be equal first or Brian will jump over the both of us and beat us. Anything's yeah. possible. All right, let's get to this week's uh, games. Collingwood and GWS. <sighs> Friday night, MCG. It's the Black and White Army versus the Orange Tsunami. Brian Mannix, your pick. Look, I said at the start of these final season that GWS could cause a bit of trouble. And 
look, I didn't see the game. I went to see Boom Crash Opera instead. And were they good? They were, win- they were winners as well. And um, Bachelor Girl were great as well, so it was good effort by both the bands. Um, so for that reason, um, look, everybody's going to jump on Collingwood, and Collingwood deserved to win the flag this year. But didn't GWS beat Collingwood in a preliminary final a couple of years ago? Uh, and then got thrashed in the grand final? Uh, well, they lost the grand final they played in, they got flogged. But I think they beat Collingwood the week before in the preliminary. Not being a Collingwood so I think, supporter, I don't remember it. Well, I think they'll go into this. So, well, we beat them before in the preliminary final. Let's do it. Um, so they, did beat, they did beat Collingwood. It was the game that they were up comfortably. And Adam Tomlinson almost cost him the game. Collingwood came at him very late, the CWS one. Yeah, oh, look. Because I like to sort of, you know, don't go down the down the normal street and let's have a look and see the outside of the box. I'm going for GWS. Okay. I think they could maybe win it. Uh, Finey, I'm going for Collingwood. Uh, I, I still, I think Dacos back. I know they've lost Adams, uh, but I still think I still think they're a good side. I do believe the GWS have a head full of steam, but I. I and I think they played very well on the weekend, but I just don't think they've quite got it to knock over Collingwood. Finey? Well, this means I can't win the tipping, but that's not important. I've just got to tip winners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're evenly matched. I think GWS are very good, very, very good. I know they are. I've seen them in the last few weeks. They've got one big problem, and it's not to be dismissed. You ever played in front of ninety three thousand opposition fans? Yeah, but I, I, I had a funny. You should say that because I had a conversation with a, a footballer who played in, in in big grand finals about that very thing. He said he reckons He's they put pressure on you. He reckons that they've got an amazing ability to take the crowd completely out of their mindset. He reckons they've they've done something that they've achieved that, and it doesn't bother them. Yeah, well, they're about to. It's about to go to a completely new level. Oh no, I agree with but, that, but. But they've done it before. When they played Collingwood in the other preliminary final, there would have been 90,000 there and they won. I don't think won. that it was a prelim or not. And, I don't and think it was a prelim. Didn't they play us in a prelim? We played them in a prelim in 16 yeah, when we beat them. The yeah. Oh, uh, maybe Collingwood had flogged yeah. them in the grand final. But, uh, look, they just beat Port Adelaide with a home crowd. There have been nobody back yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. So I don't think the you, crowd you're gonna have to double be a that. problem for them. I agree. What do you think, Fanny? Who are you yeah. picking? You're picking Collingwood? I'm going, I'm going for Collingwood. Okay. J-U-S-T. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I, I'm, I'm not going with Collingwood with any great conviction and I would not be one bit surprised if GWS knock them over. Brisbane yeah. and Carlton, Gabba on, uh, on Saturday night. I've been saying right through this whole thing that I reckon Carlton uh, were, were making up the numbers that they, uh, that they wouldn't have it to, con- to continue and sustain their form all the way through, I'm actually tipping them. I, I think they will win against Brisbane. I know the Gabba is a graveyard for a lot of sides, but I actually believe that they're good enough to be there, and I think they've got some really good, talented players, a couple with question marks over their fitness um, as a result of that game on the weekend, coming out of that one a bit bruised and battered. But they'll get Martin back, and I think they'll get Mackay back, so... I'm going to go Carlton. Brian? 
Um, look, I watched the Carlton-Melbourne game, and I'm not sure which was worse. The umpiring, which affected both teams, there was some terrible umpiring, but the skill level on both teams, especially Melbourne in the first quarter, they just hand pass and missing each other. I don't think Carlton skills, they didn't look like finals team to me. It was a, it was a good game because it was close, but neither team looked like premiership material to me. Um, the weakness with Brisbane is Joe Danaher could kick one goal six and Hepwood, whatever his name is, he'd Hipwood. get the ball. But he, he could, Hipwood, he could kick six out on the full. Um, so if they have good games, Brisbane can win. But I just thought Carlton were B grade compared to, you know, Collingwood and some of the other teams. So I'm going for Brisbane. They've got the home crowd. Um, I think this will be the end of Carlton this week. You know, I, I don't necessarily care who wins, but mm-hmm. I, I think Brisbane um, will have a better grand final if Brisbane wins. I And I think we'll probably have a better grand final if Collingwood wins. I think the other two teams will run out of steam for the grand final. Well, so, on, uh, based on your tips, it's a GWS Brisbane grand final. Yeah. And based on mine, it's a Collingwood-Carlton grand final. And now finally will tell us whether it's a Collingwood-Brisbane grand final or a Collingwood-Carlton grand final for him. Well, let's go to to our guru. It was against Collingwood in that preliminary final. Oh, it Uh, was, okay. GWS won by four points. You know what was very odd about that game? It was at the MCG. The crowd was 77,000. Was that during COVID? No. Okay. No, there was oh, no one final. there during COVID. I played in the biggest game the of grand, football during COVID. I had 500. Yeah, yeah, no, no, the grand final had 100,000. Oh, okay. Um, and, and you know, I don't think any of us have ever thought of GWS as a superstar team, but they've been in six of the last eight finals. Yeah. I guess they were built, they were designed to succeed. Um, all right, Collingwood, Carlton, Brisbane. Look, I mean, Carlton keep winning, but they should never have won that game, but they did. So <coughs> hats off to them. But, you know, Melbourne, oh, my God, how did they lose that game? They haven't shot a goal in the post from five metres out. I'm pretty sure that kick by Clayton Oliver was going through. Except Gorn was the one who stopped it. I, I'm still scratching my head about that one. What the hell was he doing? He's the tallest bloke on the ground. He's jumping up to punch the ball. Let it go through, mate, to goal. I can't understand why he was the one who touched it. It was ridiculous. No, me neither. He made three mistakes that cost them the game. Yeah, but he he also probably did about ten things that kept them in the game too. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. How many blues did Ed Langdon make? Oh, God. God. He had a shocker, didn't he? (laughs) He really did. I really like him too as a player, but Jesus, he did have have a dirty night. It's like he, he, he dropped a chip. But he was making mistakes that little league players wouldn't make. Honestly, he was dropping chest marks, picking it off the side of the side of the side of the boot. Anyhow, um, so Carlton have done well, but Brisbane at home, they haven't lost all season and they've spat out tougher opposition than Carlton. So I'm pretty confident Brisbane will win. Okay, Collingwood-Brisbane grand final for Finey. All right, now let's get to the uh, AFLW. Let's rip through these boys. Hawthorne and uh, Melbourne, Friday night at uh, Kinetic Stadium. I'll go for Melbourne, Finey. 
Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, Brian? Are, are you guys stuck? I wanted to go for Melbourne, but... No, you, you know, stay no. in Melbourne. For the sake of... No, nah, we're not the project where everybody just has a lefty idea or all has the same opinion. Yeah, but we're also, we're also not in the, in the business of just picking different just for the sake of picking different. That's that's ridiculous. Well, I think Melbourne will Let win Brian then. Let Brian Zuzlorpon. Oh, shut up, Bonnie. <laughs> uh, GWS will play Adelaide at Monica Oval on Saturday afternoon. I'm going Adelaide, funny. Adelaide. Brian. GWS bang, uh, bandwagon. They've been in the competition as long as Adelaide, haven't they? No. Nope. Longer than Adelaide? No. Nope. Port Adelaide was the first Adelaide team to come in for the females, wasn't it? Oh, no. Yeah, Adelaide were the first team to come in. Yeah. No, I don't think the Crows came in straight away. I think Port Adelaide got in first. Didn't, the Crows, win the wrong, fir- didn't the Crows win the first couple of flags? Yeah, they well, They're in Phillips? Didn't Port get in before them? No, Adelaide no, were first. Adelaide were first. GWS for you, Brian? That. GWS weekend. I'm loving it. Okay. <laughs> Carlton play Richmond at Icon Park on uh, Saturday afternoon. That can't be right. Um, you know, it is right because uh, the VFL Grand Finals on the Sunday. Uh, Carlton Richmond uh, on Saturday afternoon. I shall go for Richmond, uh, Mr. Fine. I'll go for Richmond. Richmond, Brian. Airport West looks good to me. But um, no, um, girl with the statue still playing. Taylor Harris. Yeah, she plays for Melbourne. So she's not involved in this game at all. Go the Mighty Tigers. Richmond. Port Adelaide played Geelong. Geelong uh, got beaten uh, last week. but uh, And I think Port Adelaide, pretty good team. But Geelong are pretty good. I'm going to go Geelong again. Finey. All right, Geelong. Geelong. And Brian, Port Adelaide or Geelong? Look, I don't know what the girl team's like, but Geelong are just shitting me because they've just been in the finals for so many years and stuff. So Port Adelaide for me and, you know, my son lives in the Port Adelaide district, so Port Adelaide. Okay. Sydney take on the West Coast who are awful at everything, so I think we'll all just go Sydney, will we? Yes. Okay. Yes. Kangaroos take on Brisbane. Kangaroos beat uh, Geelong last week. Uh, Brisbane played Sydney and won quite handsomely. So I'd be going uh, the Kangaroos for that one. They pretty tough little side. Finey? Kangaroos. Brian? I'm going for Brisbane. What did you guys go for? North Melbourne. Kangaroos. North, North Melbourne. Uh, yeah, the, the girls in the Brisbane will have the dark colours on. And they'll see this all oh, very scary light blue and white. Oh, that'll intimidate them. No, Brisbane girls, they grouse girls. Okay, you going for the, my neighbours up the road? The Bombers girls to beat Fremantle, Brian at Windy Hill. I'm, go- I'm going for I'm going for the Lionesses with that game. Yes. Yeah. What about uh, the, what is it? Uh, Essendon and Fremantle at Windy Hill. No, no. I want Brian to give us six more reasons why he's picking Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> well. An hour away, the Gold Coast, Gold Coast daughters, the Gold Coast sons. I think they're in the grand final now in the VFL. So yes, they are. I, so I think it's the Queensland year. I think the Broncos are a big chance. To Can win we get Essendon and Fremantle and get your tip for that one? You <laughs> pain in the ass. Look, Essendon. <laughs> Thank you, Finey. Essendon or Fremantle at Windy Hill. I'll go for Essendon. 
Yeah, I think yes. I think at Windy Hill they might win that one too. Uh, St Kilda and Collingwood at RSEA Park on uh, Sunday afternoon. Collingwood coming off a loss to the Gold Coast and uh, St Kilda coming off a loss too. I think they lost to Port Adelaide. Yeah, and they were 20 points up halfway through the third quarter. Mm. I think the Saints might win that one against Collingwood. What about you, Fanny? I'll go for the Saints. Brian, St Kilda or Collingwood? I'd rather see the Saints have success than Collingwood, so Saints for me. And Gold Coast will take on the Western Bulldogs, who haven't won yet. Uh, And Gold Coast last week won against Collingwood. So uh, they're at home, so... As much as I, I'll, I'll go for the doggies. Doggies, you've got to get up and win one soon. Finey? Gold Coast. Brian, Gold Coast, home home team? Where do I live? Come on, Kev. You don't even have to ask me. There's no team called the Pent. They're not called the Gold Coast Penthouse Pets. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, in the footy world, you mentioned it. Werribee take on the Gold Coast Suns in the VFL Grand Final on Sunday afternoon. Been a terrific year for Mickey Barlow and the boys at Werribee, so good luck to them. I'm obviously still very he- heavily involved at that football club and uh, it's been uh, – 2005 was the last time the club's been in the grand final. 1993 was the last time they won a flag. Um, so hopefully uh, – Well, the- that's that's a big game actually, Kev. Um, my friend Disco Gary, he is the Joffa of the Gold Coast and he's Jaffa because he wears the orange and the gold. Awesome, right? And he is so excited about this. He's He holds up the, you know, when they run through and all that shit. He's so the the Gold Coast. So, yeah, yeah, that thing. And, um, yeah, so for whatever reason I've just described, I'm vague tonight, um, Gold Coast, wow. Go, Gold Coast. First grand final the Gold Coast men's program has ever been involved in, so uh, it's a big thing for them. There'll be about 19 or 20 uh, AFL-listed players running around for the Gold Coast. On the Werribee list, not one player on the Werribee list has ever played an AFL game uh, or a game at AFL level, uh, so uh, it is it is a real David and Goliath uh, battle. So hopefully the boys from uh, from Avalon Airport over will get up and, uh, and bring a flag home. Oh, I don't reckon that. Matters. Well, we know we know Gold, Gold Coast have got such a proud history in the VFA. Yes. <laughs> look, I think they'll be trying to make some history, but look, you know, that would be um, funny. I think that um, you know they've got something to prove. Werribee, I suppose they do too. But, yeah, we're a standalone um, club. We're not involved with anything. The, 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 there's kids playing there who go to school during the week, uh, there's plumbers, there's bloody, you know, people who have full-time jobs who play footy and they're playing against full-time footballers. So it's, it is really that kind of uh, the two levels meeting um, because, you know, all these, all the Gold Coast blokes, full-time footballers, the salary cap of the entire Werribee Football Club is less than the average wage for uh, any one AFL-listed player. So... Well, Ken, Ken... This is the whole problem with the world. Oh, here we go. <laughs> is that, is that, you know. Oh, dear. It's nobody's fault. Everybody's a bloody victim. Oh, they no, I'm not, never, I'm not they playing the victim card at all. And blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's that's what this competition I'm is. I'm exaggerating. But, oh, look, I'm just looking at the uh, the ice melted. It's completely melted now. And guess what? Oh, hang on. 
And I... Uh, now, there's a, a slight bit of water. Okay, I've got a, a question. Is the ice, uh, in, the, is the ice in the shape of Danny Minogue's boobs or, or Abby Chatfield's? Well, one's like Danny's and the other one <laughs> is like like Abby's. And okay, beautiful. I don't hang know. On, hang on, hang good, on. We've got a problem. It's a pretty good combo. We've got a problem. Is there a little bit of water that's spilt over? Yeah, there's a, there's a tiny little... Um, and you've got an areola of water. You know, I could just say there's nothing here, but I'll be honest, I just want the truth. But certainly not enough to wipe out some Pacific Islands. I don't. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. If it's, if it's 0.1%, 0.1% of the ocean, we're in trouble. But anyhow. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. When we, when we, uh, well, up, it's when we up scale not- that, Brian, when we take that from the tiny, weeny, little Thumbelina size up to the, you know, giant uh, knock-over-the-Titanic size thing, uh, it may change the dimensions of the amount of water that's there. Yes, the water might rise a bit. But nobody's going to, you know, the Sydney Opera House is not going to be surrounded by water. All right, now we're finished with that now. That's it. No updates. No, no, that's it. That's it. That's it because, Brian, you know what it's time to open up? Stop talking about it, Kevin. Hang on. Hang on. I've got one more thing. One more thing. All right. Come on, one more thing. What have you got? How disingenuous and disgusting is our national airline carrier? So, you know, there was the whole thing last week of Qantas being found guilty of of illegally firing all the staff. They lost the high court case, so that's now irrefutable. They came out and apologised, and the new, the, the replacement of Alan Joyce, whatever her name is, came out and said that we are going to well, be a kinder, hang on, Brian, shut up. Um, all right. A kinder, more, a kinder, more caring airline. We've done the wrong thing in the past. And we take full responsibility and unreservedly apologise. And we are going to now deal honestly and fairly with the public. Carlton makes the preliminary final. It now costs nineteen hundred dollars return flight to Brisbane. And I hate every year they do it. Yep. A team plays interstate and they just gouge those fans that are going. There is no reason for them tripling the price of a flight. They have not put on any extra flights, any extra services. They're probably going to fucking lose your bags anyhow, but they think it's all right because there's a because there's a greater demand than there are seats. They callously just triple the price. They have to be ashamed of themselves. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's disgraceful. I saw some um, uh, social media posts from some people who were trying to get tickets to to get to Brisbane to watch their team play and. Uh, uh, the prices. Uh, I think someone actually posted a thing saying it would be cheaper for me. It's actually cheaper for me to go to Tokyo for the weekend return than it is for me to go to Brisbane, and that is yeah. ludicrous. Okay. Do you know what Qantas stands stand for? <laughs> so, no, let's be, be Queensland and nice. Northern Territory. Australian air, air supply, service. air service, not air supply. Now, hang on, now, Brian. Thank got, you, Longreach. Go, go on, Brian. What? I've got two points to make about this. That's not what Qantas stands for. Yeah, well, just hold on to that for a minute. Um, oh no, we've talked too much. I think I've forgotten what my two points were. Okay, what does Qantas stand for, oh, Farney? Move on. Quick and nasty, turbulence assured shitheads. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm willing well, to go with that. Uh, Brian, you know it's time to open. <laughs> you know what it's time to open up, Brian. 
ladies and gentlemen, tonight's bumper episode of The Death of Lives. Now, I want to point out that uh, our uh, producer, Steve Vischer, uh, who produced this program in normal circumstances, got through his uh, heart operation well and is recovering nicely and uh, many weeks of rehab in front of him. Uh, so good luck, Steve. All the best from all of us. Now, in the death lies of this week, bloody big week in the death lies. Uh, we'll go to the sport last. Let's go to the entertainment world first. The Screaming Jets bass player, the original bass player of the Screaming Jets, uh, Paul was seen uh, only 56 years of age passed away this week. So that's a, a very sad one as they are about to hit the road again with a big... Uh, a big two of the Screaming Jets, Dave and the boys. Now that Dave's taken leave from uh, uh, the Angels and isn't a part of the Angels anymore, he's concentrating fully on the Screaming Jets. So they're about to hit the road, but uh, that uh, that's very sad news about Paul. Uh, and Joy Chambers passed away at the age of 76. Now, Joy was uh, married to Reg Grundy. She was Joy Chambers Grundy or Joy Grundy Chambers, whichever way you looked at it. She was, um, I think she was a surf girl in Brisbane in the, in the 60s and, Roy spotted her. She was a model and uh, they got married and then she had a terrific career as, in Brisbane as a, a panellist on all sorts of television programs and then got into acting and was in Restless Years and Young Doctors and then played Rosemary Daniels, probably her most um, memorable role in uh, in Neighbours for a fair amount of time. Now, in the sporting Great world... Actress. Yeah, she was good, Joy. Uh, in Never the, heard of her. In the sporting world... Yeah, well, she's Mrs Reg Grundy. Uh, in the sporting world... Uh, from the rugby league world, John McDonald, a great Queensland uh, rugby league player, uh, played for Australia, went and played at Manly for a while. He passed away at the age of 79. All the uh, games over the weekend paid tribute to him uh, before they were played, including that unbelievable game that the Melbourne Storm won. Wasn't that good to watch? Uh, and the other two, um, back to back, these two uh, passed away too, were absolute. Uh, stars of uh, the modern game. One, uh, an icon above above reproach. But uh, from a Saints point of view, uh, finally Kevin Cowboy Neil passing away at the age of seventy eight. Everyone always talks about Barry Breen's point in that in that sixty six grand final. But Cowboy kicked five goals. Cowboy was one of my first longest loves of St Kilda. The big Cowboy Neil. I saw him play fullback. I saw him play full forward. I saw that huge frame get off the ground. He took a number of great marks, knee in the back of the opponent, amazing ability to leap. Of course, he kicked five out of 11 as a youngster in the grand final, recruited from South Warrnambool. But the most important thing about Cowboy is he was a gentleman, a sweetheart, and just the loveliest bloke you'd ever get to meet. He he was never bitter that he played. He was a superstar. He was never bitter that he played in a time where there was no money in the game. I was very fortunate in my time at SEN to do a number of sporties where he was a panellist. We formed a little team there for a while. Kevin Neal, Barry Breen, Des Tudman did a 1966 show. It was very popular around you know, the southeastern suburbs where there's a lot of St Kilda supporters and I would MC it. So we got a few gigs there. We famously did one with Alan Morrow. It was one of the great oh. afternoons. Felt them, and he passed away this year as well, Mocker, yeah, did. in July. Um, uh, at the Cheltenham RSL, which is just opposite the Moorabbin Airport, that was a great afternoon. 
Um, Kevin always, Cowboy always, you know, introducing Barry Breen as the thunder stealer, <laughs> you know. He kicked a point, I kicked five goals. Um, just a great bloke in his later years. He struggled with health in recent years and with dementia and, and unfortunately that impacted terribly on his health and that's led to his passing. But um, St Kilda players made many trips, vigils up to Albury to see him, which he always appreciated. Um, in his latter years, he actually worked in the club in the PR department. They had a job for him and he was always there and always available. Um, a couple of interesting things about the Cowboy. Um, the the 1966 week poster um, sort of is a saint, but I think I think it's a version of Kevin Neal. Actually, it's a big, bold, bustling saint. Um, and here's the last thing: this this wonderful connection I always had with Kevin and Barry Breen that I would explain at the shows, and it's pretty spooky. So one guy kicked five in the grand final, one guy kicked a point in the grand final. But do you know that they, the year earlier in 1965, it was I think round five or six, they made their debut on the very same day, um, which is interesting because Kevin was older than Barry. But they actually debuted on exactly the same day against North Melbourne. Now, what's interesting about that game is it's the only game ever, ever played at the Coburg Road Oval. Yeah, all right. Um, because North Melbourne were work was being done at Arden Street, and that year they played at the Coburg, at Coburg's ground. So it was the two of them debuted on exactly the same day, the 22nd of May, 1965. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's uh, and and to play go. I didn't. I didn't realise North had a year at Coburg. There you go. You know why it's interesting. You know why I remember the day. Uh, I don't know. Was someone born on that day? For by any chance? That's the day I was born. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it is amazing. It, it's the chances of that. What's the chances of that? <laughs> no, not not very uh, not very likely to be tell you the honest truth. Uh, and and the, I actually picked it up for the sake of the podcast, for the sake of these things we used to do. My time of birth was three o four in the afternoon, and those games started at three o'clock. There you go, two thirty, 2 30 or three. So um, two thirty, I think they started. So at quarter time in their first ever game, I popped out of Mrs. Fine and. Was cheering them on. Very good, <laughs> and has been ever since. Uh, and the other one was, of course, uh, you know, across all the papers uh, on Sunday and uh, and today. And then there's been a lot of talk today about um, the naming of the Grand Final Cup, maybe in honour of this man at the age of 87, uh, as a result of a fall at home. Ronald Dale Barassi passed away, one of the absolute icons of the game, and um, much much has been talked about already. Much has been said about him. Every man and his dog has put a photo up on uh, on some form of social media with themselves with Ron because he was one of those people who he was a man of the people. He did um, give his time to a, an awful lot of organisations and um, and and went around. Uh, I'm sure both of you have come across him in uh, in your travels um, in in football circles and in other circles. But uh, yeah, one of the greats. And we, we probably I think we'll see. Sooner rather than later. I don't know how soon. It won't be for this year, I don't think, but we'll probably see something like the Premiership Cup named in his honour 
like a like they did in America with Vince Lombardi. I think they'll do a similar thing with Ronald Dale Barassi. The only sticking point I can see to that is any opposition that might come from the interstate clubs, but I actually strongly doubt that too. Finally, your, your thoughts on uh, Ronald Dale? I mean, you know, again, growing up, he was the largest figure in football. This oh, is yeah. football, you know. He was – who was Mrs. Football? They, Ted Whitten was Mrs. Football. Was <laughs> yeah. Mr. Football. He goes, Ted Whitten's Mrs. Football. I like the way Barassi used to talk about the game. Very deliberate. I was impressed with how he enunciated – Every word. It was hard listening to him because he spoke slowly and very carefully. But again, again, I got to meet him through SEN. Uh, just a, a, a totally lovely, normal bloke. I mean, with an aura. I love people with an aura. Yep. Just uh, uh, totally approachable. Um, and of course, there's that very famous piece of footage, you know, the documentary they did on him. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was coaching Melbourne. Yep. And do you remember the famous quote? Is this the Jared Healy one? That was Sydney, wasn't it? That, was, that wasn't yeah. Melbourne. Oh, it was Sydney. No, no, it was Melbourne, I think. No, it was Melbourne because I know the players involved. It was Healy off, Hellyworth on, bloody weak as piss. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sitting up on the, on the, on the yeah. first level of the, uh, the MCG. And he did say, yeah. you get me possessions. I reckon that might have been in Sydney when he said that to Jared Healy. Um, and there's also a great one of him barreling Shane Zantuck. Oh, yes. Yes, he was very good at the uh, the verbal. And, and there's someone, uh, and I don't know who said we this, but this. but someone said the only, the thing, the, the most, um, you know, captivating thing about Ron Barassi in many ways was that he didn't realise how important and how, um, you know, influential and how, uh, how charismatic Ron Barassi actually was. So. Well. Can I tell you my Ron Barassi story? Yeah, absolutely. I wrote a play, it was a musical, and it was called The Bench. And it was basically the four players on the bench. So I had five actors. And so it was all about what the players sitting on the bench were talking about. So they'd be sitting there bitching about freaking crap, you know, just talking shit. And then somebody would go, hey, on the camera's on us. And they'd look really focused. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it, was, it was really great. And we needed somebody to play the coach. The producer said, well, you know, we had Tom Hafey, Ron Barassi, and um, Krakus Keenan. Krakus Keenan ended up getting the job. Tom Hafey, I felt, didn't want to do it because he wasn't a good reader. Barassi, I think, was too busy. But, you know, I had a lovely time, Barassi, a lovely man. And you've got to respect him. Cracker's got the gig. But you've got to respect him because wasn't it only a few years ago somebody stole some woman's bag? And he yep. was at 83 and he's just, well, that, that's not right. And he goes and tackles some bloke that's probably 50 years younger than him. But right was more important than his own health. And I think that says a lot about a person, you know, like I, I, I'm not going to let wrong happen even if it's to my detriment. And I think that says a lot about great character. Yep. Yep. No, couldn't agree more. You was in a, it, uh, on the main drag at St Kilda, I think, and someone grabbed, a, a bloke grabbed a woman's handbag and Ron tackled him to the ground. 
Um, yeah. As, you know, as probably only Ron would do. <laughs> uh, but, yes, that's uh, that's a, a, a very big version of the, uh, the death of Isa. Brian, close it up. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes tonight's episode of Righto, let's get to the topic this week. Last week we did the five spots in Australia, your favourite five spots in Australia. Now uh, Finey came up with a good idea. Let's do your five favourite spots outside Australia. Uh, So let's rip into it, boys, because uh, we're not having an extra long edition of the program like we've had the last couple of weeks. My godfather. Number five, Finey, you're a man. You're a man now, and I know you're going overseas again at the end of the year. You and that, but uh, you are a man who has travelled to God knows how many bloody continents in this world, how many countries you've been to in this world, how many passport stamps you've had. But I, I would dare say yours would be hundred times mine, and probably five or six times Brian. So I'm intrigued to see where you go with this. Yeah, I've been a lot of places. Bloody oath, you have. I wouldn't say everywhere, man, but I've been to a lot of places. Yes. Ron Barassi would have said I've been in the, <laughs> around the world. Good on you, Dale. Ronald Dale. Okay. So I think we're going to start with a place that I've been to recently mm. and really enjoyed again, but it's mainly because I was there 25 years ago before it was heavily redeveloped and it was just the best place I'd ever been to. So if it was still like that, it might be number one. I'm talking about Singapore. So Singapore's still a great place to go to, magnificent food. It's very clean. It's a great size of a city. So we got on a bike in that nine, we rode around the city and it's a really accessible city. It's got a big main but main CBD, but then you get out to other parts, it's always warm and it, it, it is Great to travel around on a bicycle. But when I was there 25 years ago, they still had all the sort of old, old school Indian quarter, old school Muslim quarter, old school China quarter, and um, and all the outdoor markets that were very rustic, sort of now they've all been put inside and, and well um, OH and S. But back then, but the food is unbelievable. Sade sticks, you know. Lobsters everywhere, crawling around. It was, it was superb. And thirty odd, it was thirty years ago, and it was cheap. Uh, you know, but, but now it's a bit gentrified, but still gets my number five. Okay, Brian is a well-travelled rock star of the universe. Where are we piling wow. you at number five? International jet set traveller. It, it's really hard to, um, you know, to find some of them. So, like you know. Three could be five, five could be four. Yeah. You know, who knows? But I think I'm going to go my number five best place to go into. And, you know, really it's just a bunch of big buildings. I certainly wouldn't recommend anybody going there now with all of the illegal immigrants living on the street. I, I don't understand why I like New York, but when I get there, there's this energy in the street, and it's just it, it it's unexplainable. But I think New York is yeah my number five best place in the world, and it's it's irrational that I think that. But I think until you go there, 
and you feel this energy in the city, it's like, wow, okay. I think it's like the energy Melbourne had in the 80s perhaps. Um, but, yeah, New York, number five. Okay. Now, my my globe is very shrunken because I have not travelled a hell of a lot. I've not been to Europe. I've not been to Asia. Um, uh, so I've really only travelled to America and uh, and other little bits, sort of spot fire places. So uh, my my uh, mine's very shrunken. Um, so I won't uh, elaborate too much. Number five, I went uh, into about the. What did you say? Your globes have shrunken. Yeah, my <laughs> globes have shrunken. I've got sh- shrunken globes. I've been meaning to speak to both of you about it for a while, but uh, now's a good time to bring it up. Um, <laughs> How does Sarah feel about your shrunken globes? None of your business, Mannix. Now. Uh, I went to uh, I went to New Zealand to hook up with the Bee Gees. You've got a Tom Bowler and a Catfight. <laughs> Stop it! I went to uh, New Zealand <laughs> to hook up with the Beach Boys in the uh, in the in the late seventies when they were touring, uh, which was a you know experience in terror in itself. Uh, and spent a little bit of time in Christchurch, and then went to uh, Western Spring Stadium and watched them. Uh, uh, destroy many of their classic songs on stage. Uh, stars were actually better than the Beach Boys. Uh, but the Christchurch I really liked. I thought it was a really nice little city, uh, pretty, green. Um, I think it was sort of Mayish when I was there. Uh, it was a, was a nice time of the year to be there and I just thought, yeah, it's a nice little city. I must come back one day. I have never been back but I, I did enjoy it for the couple of days I was in Christchurch, thought Auckland was a dump, but thought Christchurch was really very nice. So that's my number five. Finally, number four. Number four is, I had to think about all the cities in Europe that I loved. And I've been to a lot of them and they're great. And I'm going back to a few of them, but I'm not going back to this one because it's more a summer destination. We're going in winter. But God, I love Barcelona. I mean, it's just, it's got an amazing main drag called Las Ramblas, which is a giant long promenade, sort of road down either side, but a big walking area down the middle with entertainment and and then some great restaurants. And I went to a restaurant that still exists called Los Caracoles, which means the snails. It was there the first time I ever saw the cooking of a traditional paella. And oh. I was fascinated by it. And, and it's a really old building and it's got a number of different floors, but they all have gang walkways that look over the main cooking area, which is 200 years old. And the waiter saw me fascinated and he got me, took me down and I was allowed to stand in the kitchen and watch them make paella for about 45 minutes. And ever since I've made paella, and it's my favourite dish, and I've, I've even got a paella tattooed on me. But it was... <laughs> That's the most amazing restaurant. They've got out the front of the restaurant up against the old blue brick walls, the, the, the sort of um, bluestone walls. Built into the wall is a, a giant rotisserie for chickens and you smell it as you walk past. But it's an amazing city, Barcelona. With I've got great memories from there, things that probably don't exist there anymore. But, yeah, I love Barcelona. So that's number four. Okay, nice. Brian? Well... Um, I went to this joint when I was eight. And, you know, as we spoke about last week, it is I can only judge it on the time I was there. And, you know, other people might have different opinions. But when I was eight and I went, or eight and a half, I went to Venice and we were on a tour and they've got, we've got a, 
a, a fleet of boats or a flotilla of boats. Uh, and, you know, I'm with Connie, this black American, and this Canadian guy, and meeting all people from around the world. And then in the middle of the water, because um, we've got, we've got, you know, and, 12 boats or something, then some guy starts strumming the guitar and they're singing and that, and the lights are on and, you know, water's probably full of rats. But, you know, as an eight-and-a-half-year-old, it's like, wow, this was just such a magical experience for me. And, you know, I don't know, people that have been to Venice in the last couple of years might think totally different, but in 1970, uh, Venice was a very, very special impact on my life. There you go. Very good. Um, uh, as I said, I've only been sort of to America is is where my major destination was. But we went to Hawaii in 1990 and I really liked it. I, I, from the minute got off the plane and apart from being um, <laughs> asked to, uh, you know, uh, questioned quite heavily by the uh, the Hawaiian drug police for some reason, um, and I'm and I wasn't and I'm not and I never have been. But uh, for some reason, uh, they decided it must have been the mullet, I think, uh, to to question me quite uh, intensely. Um, I didn't get strip searched. I, I didn't get strip searched or anything. But it was it was you know they come over and have the big conversation with the boy who just got off the plane from LA at, at midnight. So, but then um, spent uh, I think seven or eight days there, and really, I really, really enjoyed it. I got around a fair bit and, uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Only problem was we couldn't go and, to the beach, and you were off your face. No, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> it it we couldn't go to the beach. But yeah. you were very disappointed that you weren't strip searched. Yeah, well, I was. Well, you know, that's yeah, why, that's why know, it well, would have been number what's three. What's wrong with you? If they would have been number three, if they'd strip searched me, Brian, but it's number four. Um, we couldn't go to the beach because our three-year-old at that stage, uh, Bo, who's now you know grown up with a couple of kids, he wouldn't he, the the sensory thing of the sand touching his feet for some reason in on Waikiki Beach, he couldn't do it. So all he every time we put him on the sand, he screamed. It wasn't hot. It wasn't any. It was just a sensory thing that he had this. So we uh, we do the beach in shifts. Um, go down for an hour, one of us, and then the other one would stay in the room or go and do something with with Bo somewhere else because you couldn't go. We couldn't go to the beach together as a family. That, that was the only. All right, all right, all right. Now call me a fuckwit. Okay. Fuckwit. Wouldn't it have been easy just to buy? Yeah. We did all that stuff, and it was just it was every time his feet, whether they were in shoes, sandals, um, or whatever, um, hit the hit the turf. And it was like someone was strangling him and about to kill him. That's that's and it was just it was has he, has he got over it? Yes. Yes. I believe he has. He can now walk on sand. <laughs> Let's go to Finey's yeah. number three. It'd be far more interesting than talking about what I was just doing. Finey. All right, number three. I'm doing a whole as a country. And I'm telling you, it is a magnificent country to go to. I went there again, a couple of decades ago, quite a while ago, with a few mates and we got a car and I'm talking about Turkey. Istanbul was fantastic. We got in a car and we drove across this along for two days on this incredibly treacherous coastal road, which was just a great story for all of us to remember. At one stage we were literally driving on rocks with the water from the sea, the 
Caspian Sea lapping up against the car. But And we ended up in a village where nobody spoke any English and there was nowhere to stay but it was night time and we got taken in by this family and they just let us sleep in their in in this very modest house and they made us beautiful breakfast and no they did you know when you say no one speaks English they didn't understand the word thank you or yes I mean it was zero we did were they, driving did they understand of waving money in front of them did that no work? no they were they did not take any money wow not a cent we gave them some T-shirts and, and we had some stuffed Aussie toys to hand out to locals, you know, but they would not take a cent. We offered money. Oh. And they, and they all the food that we had, eggs and fresh veggies for breakfast, all picked from their beautiful garden, you know, quite a big, quite a big area where they were growing fresh chilies and cucumbers and tomatoes. Oh, it was beautiful. Anyhow, we were driving to Gelibolu, which is the Turkish name of Gallipoli, and that was... We were very lucky that we were there when it was now it's all closed off and, and all regulated and you can't walk. We just could walk around. Yeah. And it was so scary. It was so eerie. It was unbelievable because it was very much a very, very similar to Half Moon Bay down in Sandringham. Imagine landing a, a, a boat there and trying to climb up the hill and the top of the hill you're getting shot at for a year. It was it was almost the same dimensions. But we were walking there and, and you could pick up, there were still shells, you know, bullet shells and stuff like that everywhere. Now, there's a sign not to take them, so we didn't take them, of course, but we were walking over them. We went to all the graves. It was come as you are, and we had a big Aussie flag and we sang, the band played waltzing Matilda. We took photos. It was very moving. And then we went down to the south coast, which is called Chesme and Bodrum, which is now developed but then was being developed. That was amazing. Then we went up to Pamukkale, the White Cliffs, built into the mountains, 48 degrees Celsius. But the whole experience of the friendliness of the Turkish people and the diversity of the cities makes Turkey, for me, a memory that I will never, ever forget and I adore it. Okay. Fascinating. All right. Can I, can I ask you, Fonny, what was the population of that, that place? It's a seaside, seaside town. So when we were there, you go to the the area where the landing was, but Gelibolu is a seaside town. It was the middle of summer. It was actually festival time there. We had a great time there. I'd say it's about the size of Lawn at right. the time, same population, a lot of tourists, a lot of holiday makers because it was a sea. But there was like on the beach like rides and a carnival. I remember this was great. I've got a great story. So they had this thing where you, you had to pay money and there were these kids, there was a soccer goal and you took a penalty. And if you got the penalty, if you got three out of three, you won a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> oh, you know, you paid whatever the local money was, which wasn't much in Australian money, but it was a bit to them. So there were these three or four kids being rotated by this big, gruff um, side show operator, big fat bloke with a moustache, right? <laughs> And, and I've slammed all three balls past the goalkeeper. And because I got the three goals, I got the carton of cigarettes. The kid, the kid, the kid that was goalkeeping got replaced, and he got the biggest smack over the ear you've oh. ever seen. <laughs> he got he got belted because he left the three goals through. He never had a chance. I smashed them past me. But it was something funny. It was like it was on the it was 
not quite on the floor floor. It was where the sand was like on the dirt. And I remember looking at these kids, they were all covered in dirt. They were diving around all day trying to stop the cigarette flow. <laughs> there you go. And thereby inventing oh. the turkey slap. Well done. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's right. But that city was a beautiful city. There were a lot of B&Bs for Australian tourists because they knew, and New Zealand tourists, because they knew it was a bit of a mecca even back then. Yeah. We're talking 1989. Oh, so wow. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it was a, a it was a mecca back then, you know. But but there was also a lot of Istanbul Turkish tourists, you know. But beautiful seaside restaurants. The whole thing was that the town, even though it's Gallipoli, the town, it has no, you know, it, it very respectful to the whole war thing in a tourist sense, but a complete seaside resort. Mm. Life goes on, you know. It's not a it's not a town that's a, a monument to tragedy. It's a seaside resort. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to number three yeah. for you, Brian. I just like to say I, I think that's great, finding in that um, the smaller the population, but just the culture being different, that's I kind of think what I want when I go somewhere different. I don't want to go to France and hear, see McDonald's and KFC on the end of the street. I want to hear different sort of dialogue and sounds of dialogue. I want to smell different smells. That's the point of going overseas. And unfortunately, there's a lot of places that, you know, the difference between Paris and London is only an accent. Um, This is between New York and you know, Melbourne is only, a, you know, an accent. So anyway, yeah. My number, what have I got? Three. I'm, go- I'm going Amsterdam. The reason I'm going Amsterdam is because it was the first one you could get stoned at. Um, so I went there. I did 30 grams of Afghanistan hash um, with Lucky Phil, and I was only there for 30 hours. I was so freaking stoned. I couldn't even be bothered walking a hundred meters to see the red light district, which it's which it's named for. But at that time, you know, sex was everywhere. So, um, but I just thought, you know, because if you go to a lot of European cities, the accent might be different, um, but the architecture is always great. I love the architecture of Europe. And you get all that in Amsterdam and I was there doing a festival and there's all these beautiful Italians with blonde hair and blue eyes and you can drink on the streets and just make sure you don't get run over by the tram. But, I, you know, the difference between Amsterdam and Paris is probably the accent or Italy is probably the accent but you can get really, really stoned and just cruise around and watch these magnificent buskers. So Amsterdam's my number three. Okay. Uh, my number three is San Antonio uh, in Texas. I went there, loved it. Um, went to the Alamo, looked at that, thought that was terrific. Uh, went to an NBA All-Star game 
at the Alamo Dome in uh, in San Antonio and uh, just had just had the best time. Uh, the city was going off. They've got this fabulous river walk, which is just a beautiful spot. Uh, whether you're on little you know gondolas that go up and down it for uh, things, and, and then all the restaurants that feed off it. And I, I think a, a fair bit of that river walk area around uh, Crown Casino has has got uh, similarities to uh, some of the area in uh, in San Antonio. But it's just a really good spot. The food was bloody fantastic. I loved I loved Mexican food and Tex-Mex food was just uh, just I fell in love with that. So really enjoyed San Antonio to the point where I went there in '96 and went back again. Um, a couple of years later, just to make sure it wasn't the NBA thing and all that that uh, captivated me, went back and, and yeah, loved it, uh, loved it just as much. So really good city, San Antonio. Uh, enjoyed it a lot. That's my number three. Number two, Fanny? Number two is a collection of places. Mm-hmm. It was where Nat and I had our honeymoon. It's the south of the United States, these, the deep south. So... We landed in Florida, we had a car, and we were six weeks on the road. Savannah, Georgia, Mobile, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, New Orleans, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, Natchez, Mississippi, um, yeah, and other places. Yeah. Little places, little places along the way that weren't scheduled. Tai Tai in Georgia the most barbecued city, most barbecue places in any city in the world. Tai Tai, Georgia, one main street, population 190, seven different barbecue restaurants. <laughs> um, um, the people, incredibly hospitable. Um, that, that This is, again, 1995. Um, so that, that there was this wide-jawed amazement in a lot of places because they were off the beaten track that anybody would come there. But when we were there, we thought it was the most exotic, amazing places on earth. Those antebellum houses turned into guest houses, that, that southern hospitality, it was just amazing. Yeah. You know, I, it, it may have now become more homogenised, I feel, and, and maybe even less safe, but back then it was something to behold. I was very fortunate. We're very fortunate to have enjoyed 20th century southern hospitality. Yeah, beautiful. No, it's a, 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 there's some be- I went down to Atlanta. Atlanta's a beautiful spot. You know, the uh, the, uh, the people down there are, are exceptionally friendly, exceptionally friendly Americans, which is not something, uh, yep. an expression you use a lot. When you spend a lot of time in America, you don't use the term exceptionally uh, friendly Americans that much. Number two, Brian Mannix. Wow. Um, fuck it, Kev. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Phuket. Oh, Phuket. Yes. I really, really enjoyed because, well, you can't smoke grass there, so that was a bit of an issue, but you can buy Valium there. And you have half a Valium and you're floating around in the pool looking at palm trees or, you know, paying two bucks fifty for a beer and everybody's just, you know, like, Waiters and butlers working around you, and it costing you nothing. How wonderful is that? And then you go, oh, I'm going to go and get in the water, and it, you know, it's 35 degrees. And then at night time, I walk one block away, and it's just debauchery. And I love it. I like this 
you know, uh, the, the, the lady boys and shit, but you know, they're cute and they're funny. You meet them in the bar and, and that, that's great. Um, and then you get the Indian tailor to make you a tailor design suit, a ball gown for your wife and some leather pants and a couple of silk shirts and some ties chucked in for 300 bucks. <laughs> How good is this? So fuck it or Australians like to pronounce it, Phuket is my number two. Sounds good. Let me, let, me get, let me get this right. You go down there, you go to the bars, hang out with the lady boys, and then you get a ball gown. <laughs> or even more than a ball gown, mate. <laughs> if you're lucky. Uh, my number- and, and you know what? I've never, I've never been to Phuket. And I think um, it's better than Bali. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know. I've never been there. Um, and I've, I've heard I've heard people go there and they say the lady boys are quite, they're quite beautiful, actually. Uh, I'm moving on to my number two, uh, which is uh, Anaheim in California. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just I, I walked into that place and saw Disneyland and went, I love this joint. Uh, it's it's very touristy. It's all those things. But as a kid growing up, watching the Disneyland on on television and then getting there and going to Disneyland uh, and enjoying that whole experience. Um, and I was, you know, it was 1990, so I was, you know, not a kid by any stretch of the imagination. I was in my 30s. Um, and I loved it. I just adored the place. Uh, I'm not big on rides or any of that sort of stuff, so that didn't, even though Space Mountain is pretty terrific. Um, so it was just it was just that walking in and feeling that your childhood just kind of rush right through your body at a million miles an hour made it uh, a very special place for me. I don't, you know, all the... All the like the food's ordinary and all those things are, are not uh, captivating. But I, I liked Anaheim as a place to get around. It was easy to get around. Driving a, a car in America was was very easy in Anaheim. Um, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it lived up to every single thing that I thought that it, uh, it, it should be. It lived up to every single one, ticked every single box. So that's my number two. Number one, finally, this will be interesting. You're right. I didn't even consider it, but we took the – when the kids were young, we took, I think we had three of them then, we went to Disneyland. We stayed at a Disneyland-themed hotel and it was that excitement you get when you go through the front gates, yep. you know. I wasn't a kid, but, boy, it was great fun. Yeah, we stayed yeah. at the Disneyland yeah. Hotel over the road from from the park and, it, yeah, it just it yeah. all added to the experience. It was bloody great. Yeah, really good. My number one, and there is a recency bias in this, so I, I'm factoring that in, but I don't care is Vietnam because we went there at the end of last year to great expectations because everybody who I asked had been to Vietnam said it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great, 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 great. So you go there expecting a lot and it lived up to it and surpassed it. Oh, wow. First of all, we went to four or five different t- cities and I didn't realise this, but it does have regional differences, which is exciting. I like when you go places. That's the one problem with Australia. We are very much one note. You know, there's no different cuisine in Perth or Adelaide or Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. There's no different accent. There's, you know, we are all pretty much the same. Yep, true. Maybe a few, few idiosyncrasies, but America's interesting because the cities have different, people got different accents, different food, and Vietnam, I didn't realise, the food's very different, different parts of Vietnam, but the consistency is 
The people are lovely. Now, I like going on a holiday where you don't need to worry about what part of town you're in, if it's safe or not safe. So we can walk around at night, we can walk around during the day, and you feel incredibly safe. And I'll say this about the Vietnamese people. When you're a tourist, it's easy to be friendly when there's money involved. Mm-hmm. People are always going to be friendly. They're always going to be friendly, aren't they, when they're dealing with tourists yep. and there's a dollar on the end of it. But we ended up in a lot of places where there weren't tourists because that's what we were looking for, that sort of experience. And, sure, we looked like tourists, but even when there was no money involved, when we needed directions, when we needed, you know, when, when we're walking we're walking around this tiny island canto and there's only one really resort there and the rest of them don't know much about tourists and people are out at night because it's hot and they're all playing bingo and dominoes and card games and drinking whiskey and they just invite you in to sit down and have a whiskey with them. No common language, no idea what's going on, but just wanting to share you a drink, you know. It was nice. great fun. Yeah, nice. Beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful people. There you go. Very nice and surprising. I must admit, I thought you'd, I thought you'd, uh, thought you'd get New York in there somewhere. Yeah, look, I mean, I've been to New York a lot, and it's great, and I'm very familiar with it. But Nat went there this year, and she said it's not what it was. Yeah, no. And the main, and you know, the main reason it's not what it was. Of all the illegal immigrants, they've got them living on the street. They're shitting on the street. Well, that's not correct, Brian, because that's she's. None of that happened. Well, the mayor has just come out and said, we need help. We cannot have 10,000 people a week arriving here. We don't have the resources. It's costing us $12 billion to look after these illegal immigrants. Right, okay. Now, finally, why why did Nat like it as much? Because marijuana is now legal in New York and it's everywhere. Okay. It's in cafes. People are hustling it on the streets, so they're telling it sort of illegally, but the police aren't stopping it. Everybody's asking you what a joint, you want a joint, you want a joint. And if you're not a pot smoker and she's not, and I'm not, and she was there with Harper, that can become a very aggravating smell when it's everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said I don't like it. That city has not fully recovered from COVID. Yeah. I was in Melbourne today. Melbourne was rocking. I mean, it's a Monday and the place looked like, like it was New Year's Eve. It was so full Melbourne today. Not the case with New York. has not bounced back, so I downgraded. Okay. Right, Brian, you're number one. What do you got? Well, it's it was I was lucky enough to get a gig in Borneo, and it was a joint called Kota Kinabalu. It's a city in Borneo, and... We we were sent over there to do some gigs, and uh, for Australians, I don't think the Borneo people were really craving for us, but it was an Australian company that hired us to come and do it. So I had to hide in because I was a surprise guest apparently, and I had to hide in my hotel room for a day and a half or two days. But they sent me up all the beer I wanted. It was fantastic, but it was just. We were in a resort and it was just magnificent and you'd go out and you'd swim out in the ocean and you'd look back and you'd see the resort and you'd see the mountains and there was like those really dinosaur-style um, lizards walking around 
and um, the people were lovely. And then I went down to the market and you see these people and it's a really great lesson in life in that they're, you know, there's, there's smells coming from everywhere and it's, you know, that, and then you see where they live and it's, they're living in poverty, but they are far happier than everybody in Australia, even though they have nothing and they seem to value food and family and friends. And I think they've got it right. But to go in that water that's just probably 25 degrees and just looking at the mountains and the waves are coming and these really people that have what we don't have, which is to be content with your life. And that's, you know, don't worry about happiness. Try and be content with what you have in life. And that's the trick. If you are content in your, with what you've got and you accept that things are not going to be great like these people do, then you will be happy because you accept that shit's going to, you know, knock you around a bit. But I just thought these people were amazing. The weather, the the place, the, the I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, it's about, I don't know, it takes a long time to get there, but I'm there. Okay. Borneo, number one for Brian, number one for me is San Francisco. I uh, love the the people. Uh, it's an interesting place to visit. There's always lots going on there. I could I could actually see myself living there, not now, but certainly uh, 20, 30 years ago, easily could have seen myself living in San Francisco, would have would have loved to have lived there for a, a amount of time. The food there is fantastic. I love uh, Fisherman's Pier, really uh, terrific place. Uh, a little shaky on the uh, on the fault line uh, business. I went there in '90, which was just after they had the the bridge collapsing and all that uh, with the with the earthquake uh, on the on the fault line. But uh, yeah, good city, San Francisco. Really liked it. Really enjoyed it. And uh, went back uh, went back a couple of times and uh, and uh, never diminished in my uh, in my estimation. So lived up every time that I went there. Uh, most time I went I went for business and for and for pleasure. And uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. So, with my little shrunken down globes, um, that's uh, that's my number one, San Francisco. I knew I knew you'd say San Francisco. How did you know that? Because when we did radio together at SEN and at um, Racing Radio, you used to wear those bumless leather caps. <laughs> and it I is that bloke. That bloke's been to San Francisco. I think our audience just wants to get to know Kev better, and I think this is a nice insight. There you go. That is another edition of the Rock and Roll podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've uh, got something out of it. Thank you for sharing your travels around the world, gentlemen. Uh, very, very interesting uh, travels and very interesting places. Most surprising places that you came up with too, to be honest, both of you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, we'll have an, a new topic for next week and we'll uh, we'll investigate that and we'll get back to music very soon. But enjoy, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the preliminary final week. And when next we talk, it'll be grand final week. We shall talk to you then. See you, Finey. Thank you, Kevin. Have fun thank with the renovators. Bro. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Don't drown in that sink of yours with your water experiment. I know you're <laughs> probably well, well, hang on, let's, the... let's cross to Brian now. An update on the uh, water oh, experiment. Yeah, there has been a slight 
thing around the paper towel that I put on the thing. However. Good night, everyone. Good night. And good night, John Boy. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 